from Washington, D.C., the swamp itself. This is The Week's Worst with Allen and Veda. I'm Dr. Stephen J. Allen, Vice President and Chief Investigative Officer of the Capital Research Center. And I'm Matthew Vadum, Senior Vice President of Capital Research Center and Editor-in-Chief of BombThrowers.com. And I'm Jake Klein, Media Producer at the Capital Research Center, and I'll be moderating this podcast in which we dig through the news for stories that we think are the most outrageous, the most ridiculous, the worst. So earlier this week, former presidential candidate Hillary Clinton spoke to CNN's Christian Amanpour at a Women for Women International event about her 2016 election loss and fighting to advance women's issues around the globe. She gave a number of controversial suggestions for why she lost to President Trump, saying outright if it weren't for the Comey letter announcing the reopening of her email investigation and Russian hacking, she would have won. So Steve, Matthew, in your opinion, why did Hillary lose? Well, Hillary lost because she's Hillary. And by that, I mean, this is someone who is one of the most incompetent people we've ever seen in American politics who's been successful. Uh, but she's been successful by hitching her her uh, uh, her wagon to a star uh, bill and by manipulating the political process, getting lots of bribe money over the years, uh, which I've documented in, in many of my writings, uh, and, uh, you know, just uh, sort of pushing everybody else out of the way, sort of Klingon rules. You know, if you, you assassinate the person above you, then you get to move up. And uh, Hillary has been a practitioner of that kind of politics. So when it comes to, though, to uh, getting out a message, formulating a, an idea, a basis for a campaign, figuring out how to bring people in to be a uniter, not a divider, at least among your your partisans. Uh, all the things that a politician is supposed to do, she's terrible at, and she cannot run a competent political campaign. Uh, we saw that with uh, we saw that when she first burst onto the national scene in the 1990s with the Hillary Care campaign. She was in charge of the effort to redo the American health care system back then. And what was the result? The Republicans won control of Congress for the first time in 40 years. I mean, I remember growing up with uh, having discussions with people about whether Republicans would ever, ever get control of the House of Representatives, uh, or that's just something that would not happen in our lifetimes. And thanks to Hillary, it did. And you had Newt Gingrich's speaker, and you had Republican committee chairman, and all the things that have happened since then. That's because of Hillary. Uh, largely. And so then you go back to the 2008 campaign. She won the popular vote against Barack Obama, but her people didn't know how to run a presidential campaign in the primaries. They had people, they had their resources in all the wrong places, whereas the Obama people were very smart. And if they could go into an area and spend a little bit of money and get an extra delegate, they'd do it. Hillary's people didn't know where the delegates were, didn't know that uh, at one point her campaign manager didn't know that California wasn't a winner-take-all state. And those kinds of things are important. It's like being a baseball manager and not understanding how baseball works. And then she runs in 2012, and uh, what happens? Oh, she brags now that she won the popular vote. Well, you know what you call the person who wins the popular vote and loses the presidency? You call that person the loser. And when they do it because they don't know how to run a, a campaign based on the Electoral College, you also call them incompetent. Right. And I would agree with Dr. Allen. And um, I, would, I would add that uh, Hillary is an egomaniac who has difficulty um, uh, seeing borders and uh, and 
she doesn't know how to behave appropriately. Like, for example, this is something that turned people off a lot, her cackle. Uh, or She would call it her laugh, but it was more of a cackle. And it was very irritating and forced, and people tended not to, to like it. They thought that she was a phony, which she is, and she has a great deal of difficulty uh, concealing that fact, whereas Donald Trump, for all of his faults, is a real guy, and, you know, what you see is what you get. Um, uh, Hillary is always calculating. She's always trying to remember what lies she told the minute before so that she can keep building on it and not contradicting herself. And after a while, that does, uh, that does wear thin, and the American public has been subjected to her for, what, close to, including the Arkansas days, what, 30 years or so uh, in, in the public eye. Uh, whether as a first lady or as a political actor, a can you know, political candidate in her own right. So um, basically people look at Hillary and they say, um, don't let your daughters turn out to be that when they grow up. <laughs> yeah, Hillary uh, you know, keeps talking about the things that happened during the campaign, uh, like uh, the FBI director and the Russians and so on. Well, the fact is that her favorables and unfavorables uh, after 2015 uh, they were pretty much the same. I, I think they, the variation in the favorables, there was about a four-point range. The variation in the unfavorables, there was about a four-point range. You didn't see that much change uh, on uh, when things would happen in the campaign because people had an image of Hillary that was, in fact, accurate. Uh, they knew that she was that she was a crook. They knew that she lied. And, uh, and that limited her appeal, and that was all on her. That was not something that... Uh, when, when you had something like Comey, happen uh the fbi director that uh, that may have reminded people of the reasons they didn't like hillary but it didn't put those things in their heads to start with and she never did anything to get people to think of her campaign or think of her in a positive way uh they never had a coherent message they had 10 staffers working on her announcement speech now this is if you're if you know anything about politics and you talk about presidential campaigns you know about ted kennedy in uh, his campaign against Jimmy Carter in 1980, being unable to answer the question by Roger Mudd on CBS, why are you running for president? The first thing you know is you have to have a coherent reason to run for president. You have to have that written down. You have to be able to say that. And they failed. They came up with 85 campaign slogans that they tried out. I actually did a thing. I um, We can't show this uh, on, on the radio, as we say, or on this podcast. Uh, maybe we can put this on our website. I did a word cloud where I took all the 85 slogans, and you see this giant cloud of words, and that's Hillary's message. It's just a big, giant cloud of words. And then I took every slogan that the Trump people considered, and it's four words, make America great again. That's it. And Trump had a coherent message. Hillary did not have a message because she didn't have anything to say. It was all about, hey, we're the, we're the best and the brightest. We're the smartest people, which, of course, their whole campaign was an, uh, an effort, I think, to show that they weren't the smartest people. Uh, and so that's where Hillary absolutely failed in the most basic idea, uh, in the most basic requirement for being a good political candidate, 
Uh, and the only reason, the only reason that she was the Democratic nominee is that she strong-armed everybody else out of the way. Nobody wanted to be the person standing in the way of the first woman who would be president. Nobody wanted, you know, within the Democratic par- primaries and the Democratic Party, they, they told people, if you run for president, we will crush you. We'll make sure you never do anything. You'll never be governor. You'll never be in a cabinet. You'll never get to run for president later on. So they kept out all the decent candidates, even people like Joe Biden. Joe Biden, who probably would have beaten Trump, and he was he was uh, kept out of the race by the uh, by the Hillary people, and uh, and of course Bernie, uh, they were he, he's such a maverick that he got in, and then he almost won. He got forty six percent of the delegates, other than the super delegates, he got forty three percent of the vote. Uh, and had he been counted as the winner in Iowa, we've discussed on the podcast before. I think he actually won Iowa. Had he been uh, had he been counted as the winner there, I think uh, maybe he wouldn't have been the nominee, but somebody else would have gotten in because Hillary would have shown that weakness. But she managed to keep everybody else out, and that was the key to her continuing in and being the Democratic nominee. And then the Democrats were stuck with her. So certainly, I agree that there were tons and tons of problems with the Hillary campaign and the DNC as a whole. But by that argument, you know, it, it, it could have been a landslide. Hillary Clinton did win the popular vote by about 3 million votes. So why couldn't it have been one of these smaller things that she suggested towards the end of the campaign that tipped the scales? Why couldn't it have been this Comey thing, you know, just shifting a couple points at the very end of the campaign and, and that being the cause? I should say there were also other, exter- other factors like... Her uh, refusal to campaign in Michigan and uh, Wisconsin, and uh, uh, I think in Pennsylvania, or at least not in, at least not not campaigning very much in Pennsylvania, that that led to her downfall. And if she'd come up with what was it a, a an extra hundred thousand votes uh, distributed amongst those three states, then she probably would have uh, secured an electoral college win. So it wasn't just about her message or her or her lack of message or her image problems. It was also just plain, uh, you know, basic uh, uh, incompetence in terms of retail politicking. They did not put forward the um, get-out-the-vote effort that, that they needed to. They took um, uh, democratic, traditional democratic strongholds uh, for granted, and in such a weird, wacky election cycle as last time, uh, as in 2016, it, that that was a that was a really risky thing for them to do, and they're they're they they lost that gamble. Yeah, Robbie Mook, the campaign manager, had this idea that they would base it all on data, and how did people vote previously, and how would people vote based on identity politics and that sort of thing? Sort of an an ob- an ob- the Obama approach, right? And and so they had you kept hearing about the blue wall. Well, that was based on how states voted in the past. Well, we've had situations in football and baseball where the AFC or the NFC would win the Super Bowl a few times in a row, or the American League or the National League would win the World Series a few times in a row. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, you have to look at the at the individual cases, and so they were depending on this blue wall, which was totally made up in their you know in their minds. I mean, there's no basis for it other than the fact that states do tend to vote somewhat uh, the same from one election to the other. But it's kind of a no line, wasn't it? Yeah, and Trump Trump just just avoided it. He went around it. And so you have a situation where uh, you know Ronald Reagan uh, uh, comes in uh, and wins in 49 states in 1984. Well, that didn't mean that Republicans were going to win. They won the next 
next election, which they almost lost uh, if they were way behind uh, halfway through, and then they did lo- uh, lose the the subsequent uh, presidential election. So so it doesn't it doesn't mean anything, and and yet that's what their strategy was based on. Uh, they had. Uh, union people who were in Iowa and realized that Hillary was in trouble in Michigan, key state, and and try and packed up their bus and they were headed to Michigan. And the Clinton people said, "You get off that bus and you turn around and you go back to Iowa," uh, because oh, we've got this great campaign strategy. So, so you're absolutely right that they they didn't have touch with the people. Bill, by the way, Bill is much better politician than these people, and they kept telling him, "Well, our, our your, your your anecdotes don't match our data." Uh, and that's what they kept telling Bill Clinton, who, you know, did like get elected president a couple of times, you would think. Uh, and, and it was largely his campaign strategy that got him there to the White House. So you'd think they would maybe listen to him, but they didn't. Um, so so the, the proof that it wasn't these intervening events that were uh, that were overwhelming in all of this is that uh, you could have predicted this if you had if you had looked at Hillary's numbers a, a year before the election and you looked at them the day before the election you looked at them in the exit polls you'd see consistent patterns there would be a little bit of movement so two or three po- four points I understand it's important in a close election by the way I always point out when they say she won the popular vote that the right of center candidates total got more votes than the left of center candidates so if they want to brag about Hillary winning the plurality then the uh, people on the other side get to brag that more people actually voted for right of center candidates you're including libertarian Gary Johnson including uh, Gary Johnson the Constitution Party and so on uh, and then on the other side you had uh, the uh, uh, the Green Party and you had the Peace and Freedom Party in California and so on but the uh, the, the, the the point is that uh, you know this uh, the James Comey event and the FBI director she, Hillary supposedly blamed this privately uh, her loss on the FBI, the KGB, meaning the Russians, and on the rise of white nationalism. That's what the, that's what's reported in the book Shattered by the folks from Politico, uh, which is a pretty good book inside the Clinton campaign. Doesn't have anything at all to speak of on the on the Trump campaign, but it's all about the inside the uh, Hillary campaign, who of course they expected to win. But the um, uh, what they found is that one of the things was the FBI director. Well, what did the FBI director actually do? He he laid out the case for why Hillary should be indicted, all of which was true, all of which we now know. Uh, if anything, we now know it to be worse than we knew at that time. And uh, and then he didn't indict her. He he said that uh, you know no prosecutor would take this case. Well, right. He invented. He added a new. Um element to the the legal test that you had to show specific intent specific intent that's right right and with, and with with regard to uh carelessness with uh classified documents right and you have to show no such thing because if you uh if you uh, get drunk and leave your classified documents sitting on a park bench in You're DuPont in Circle, uh, then you can be uh, sent to prison for that uh, because you are supposed to be very careful with uh, classified documents. I would compare it to a drunk driver. You're, if you get drunk and you kill somebody as a drunk driver, uh, you don't necessarily intend for that person to die, uh, and yet you're still held responsible because you did have the intent to drink all that alcohol. And in this case, Hillary, in order to cover up, apparently, I mean, that's the only explanation that's ever uh, been put forth that seems reasonable, to cover up the pay-for-play operation with the Clinton Foundation and the various other uh, elements of corruption uh, uh, that she's been involved in, she decided to steal 66,000 government documents, those being the emails, and then put them on her 
server, but the server was just the way she carried out the crime. Uh, I've compared it to if she pulled a truck up to the entrance of the State Department and they carried out all the cabinets and then put those in her basement. Uh, that's still stealing government documents, and that's what she was doing. So clearly she's guilty. All the people who said lock her up are correct to say so. And uh, it was amazing that uh, the FBI director who let her off the hook uh, of course, he's the guy now, that's the way it works in Washington, he's the guy that all the Democrats are blaming for uh, for having cost her the election. All right, well, what about the Russian hacking, though? She made a point in this interview um, that within two hours of Trump's uh, access Hollywood tape leaking, you know, the famous uh, tape where he's on the bus with Bully Bush and uh, he says, quote, um, I think, quote, I don't have it in front of me, grab him by the pussy or grab her by the pussy or something to that extent. You're talking about the Bush tape about grabbing by the pussy. Yes, but uh, anyway, within two Just hours... so we're clear on that. Yes. Yeah, well, and, and that's, by the way, him him bragging about his appeal as a celebrity and as someone who's a billionaire. And it's kind of a... It's it's a gross way to describe it, but it actually is pretty accurate about uh, about things. Uh, well, he, he didn't... Well, yeah. And, and that was 11 years ago and so on, but let's well, go ahead. Well, so be it, but... um. You know, her point was within two hours of that tape coming out, uh, WikiLeaks started putting out the Podesta emails. And of course, um, it's general consensus now that uh, WikiLeaks was provided those emails by the Russian government. Well, and by, there's no, there's, by no actual, there's no actual evidence of that, but that a lot of people say it. And they've said it so many times that they've made a lot of people believe well, it. I, I there do, is no hard evidence. I, I do have a uh, tendency to trust Assange and think he doesn't have a reason to lie given his history having said that i mean even trump who was you know uh, the biggest critic of the idea that wikileaks was colluding with russia or perhaps not intentionally colluding but got it from russia you know even he since becoming president has come around to the view that yes there was russian hacking um in the campaign well, well that, there's always russian hacking i mean it's a matter of proportion uh, you know, Russians a hostile foreign government. They're always trying to interfere uh, with elections, try to swing them in our favor, in their favor. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the the question is not whether they had some uh, some uh, uh, cyber criminals hacking away at uh, computer networks. The question is whether they did anything that actually affected uh, the outcome of the election. And on that point, uh, I think there's. There's zero evidence that they that they did anything that had any impact on the election itself. Yeah, and I would just, encourage, just to be clear on that. Yeah, I would encourage people to actually read the uh, non-classified uh, report that purports to say that the Russians were, uh, you know, did did change the outcome of the election in some significant way, meddled in the election. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of a joke uh, because they talk in there about things like uh, Russia helping uh, using social media to get out the idea that Hillary is dishonest. Whoa. Or to get out the idea that her health is bad. Oh, this is the woman who told the FBI that she couldn't remember her briefings on how to handle classified information because of the blood clot on her brain. But, oh, gosh, it's a lie to say that she had some health problems. Then there was also another report I read that that, oh, my God, Russia used Sputnik, which is a, <laughs> uh, a website, a media, uh, uh, a news agency and RT, Russia Today, to, to plant all sorts of insidious stories in the American media. Well, nobody watches Russia Today uh, or, or accesses the Sputnik 
website in the United States. Most people have never even heard of them. You would think that if you were trying to actually uh, uh, wage a campaign of influence for or against a candidate, you would want to get your stories into media that people consume. Yeah, and we know, for example, that ABC News is a part of a company that's business partners with the communist Chinese, the people who've killed more of their own citizens than any other government in the history of the world, and they run all these soft stories about how wonderful the Chinese are all the time. So, there, yes, there are all sorts of PR efforts being uh, engaged in by all sorts of countries, including uh, the Chinese, and one could get in a nice argument about who's worse, Putin or the, or the communist Chinese. That's not for this discussion right but, now. But let us stipulate for the record that... That both Steve, Stephen J. Allen, and I, Matthew Vadim, think that Vladimir Putin is a bad dude. Oh, we yeah. just want to get that out of the way. Yeah. We're not Russophiles here. <laughs> now, could you hand me that bottle of Stolichnaya, Steve? Yeah, no. well, yeah. But, uh, the, 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 the fact is, here's, see, here's the, the problem, and here, this is what the Hillary people do. Uh, they take the FBI director and they switch it around so that he somehow hurt her when he saved her. And then they take the, the WikiLeaks. What they never mention is, okay, let's just let's put aside the question of whether the Russians used a cutout to fool the WikiLeaks people into thinking they were getting this from, you know, inside the Clinton campaign, which is I, I believe the WikiLeaks people not because I don't have problems with WikiLeaks and, and I in no other way am I endorsing them except to say that they haven't been caught in a lie in any of these documents. All these documents have turned out to be real that they've released as far as anyone can tell. So when they say they didn't get it uh, from the Russians, I believe they believe that. Now the question is, was there a cutout? Did somebody give it to them uh, who was actually working for the Russians, but they didn't know that? In any event, let's put that aside. Let's say it was the Russians. Uh, what was in this material? What was in the material was that CNN was leaking questions for the debates to Hillary, that reporters from everything from ideological outlets like the Huffington Post to supposedly non-ideological outlets like Politico, uh, that these reporters were kissing up to the Clinton campaign. They were coordinating their um, their stories. They were having secret meetings, dinners at John Podesta's place uh, with all these big shots from the media that they didn't report on. So that's unethical. And uh, they, you know, then you get into things like uh, the Clinton Foundation, the things that were revealed about the Clinton Foundation, funny stuff going on there. Bill Clinton's uh, connection uh, to uh, countries around the world and the money that Bill Clinton was getting and getting for the uh, Clinton Foundation. Uh, you get. Uh, uh, stuff about Hillary's health. You get stuff about uh, the uh, of the fact that Obama, President Obama, uh, apparently knew that uh, Hillary was using this server, which provides a perfect explanation of why she was never prosecuted, because then you would have involved the president of the United States and it was an, would have been an impeachable offense. So you start going through the WikiLeaks, uh, the open borders, the statement. Remember all the fact checkers. I, I wrote this up for our website, how all the fact checkers said Hillary uh, that was was being lied about when Donald Trump said she was for open borders. Well, she was for open borders. She said so to the Brazilian bankers paying her $225,000. And that's in the WikiLeaks. So so all these things we found out, it's all corruption. It's all the Democratic National Committee conspiring with Hillary illegally to throw the election to Hillary over Bernie Sanders, where uh, I believe it was five top people at the Democratic National Committee, the chairman, the executive director, the finance director, and so on, all had to resign because of this. And it was in WikiLeaks. So we wouldn't have known it. So 
I understand. We don't want a foreign government to be able to break in anybody and there should be appropriate sanctions and things should be done to make sure that doesn't happen. First of all, the, the Clinton people did it through their own incompetence. Remember, John Podesta's uh, password on his uh, personal computer was password or P at sign SSW0RD. That's the level of competence of these people. He ignored, they ignored all the warnings from the FBI to do something about their security. And they, they essentially let this happen through their incompetence, but put that aside. That doesn't, that does not, if somebody breaks into your house because you didn't properly lock the door, that doesn't excuse them breaking into your house. Still, we need to be reminded that all this WikiLeaks stuff was stuff that we should have known about, and a lot of it we would have known about if we had honest media in this country, and the, and it was the uh, the evil of the media, their corruption, their unethical behavior. That's what was revealed as much as anything from the uh, from the WikiLeaks. Before we move on to the next topic, I, I wanted to make one more point about her suspicion over the the timing of the leak of the Podesta email in relation to the Access Hollywood tape, which she also hinted, you know, was a sign that it was definitely possible. She didn't she didn't say it was true, but hinted towards the possibility of there being collusion between Russia and the Trump campaign. But th- this is a ridiculous way to show that because the Podesta emails WikiLeaks had been saying for a period of time that they were going to have a big drop on this day. You know, big stuff was going to come out on this day. This wasn't a random reaction to the Access Hollywood tape. In fact, it was the Access Hollywood tape that, you know, dropped out of nowhere on the same day that WikiLeaks said it was going to release this stuff. Right. And uh, and what was Hillary trying to say? That that the WikiLeaks stuff was dropped to suck up the, all the media oxygen yeah, yeah, away yeah. from the Billy Bush uh, yes, yes, that, uh, that's, pussy-grabbing uh, right, That's exactly what she was hinting which at. Is, which is it's totally a, absurd. It's a totally absurd because that was announced, and it, in fact, it seems like it was the exact opposite, where this unannounced tape uh, drops immediately before this big expected planned uh, leak from WikiLeaks. And we know that NBC News and the person of Andy Lack and Matt Lauer had... That had the tape. They had had it for some time and were sitting on it. We know that the Clinton campaign and their surrogates were making what now appear in retrospect to be references to what was uh, at least the general idea of what was in the tape as if they were laying the groundwork for the tape to be released. And uh, and the, the NBC News, instead of running the story, which would have been an honest thing, I guess, uh, instead of running the story, they waited until the key moment in the election when they thought it would, in my view, they thought it would do the most harm. And then they gave it to the Washington Post so their fingerprints wouldn't be on it. Again, this is absolute media corruption. If you get a story, you don't give it to some other media source so that you won't be associated with that story. One of the things you do is stand by your story. All right. Well, moving on to her next claim. Um, she hinted that misogyny might have been a contributing factor. Now, she didn't say that that was the single thing that turned uh, the election like she did for Comey and the Russian hacking. So that's why when people haven't been reporting this story, it hasn't been a part of the lead. But she did say that. She said she thinks it was a contributing factor. And uh, to prove that misogyny is still a problem in this country, she then went on to talk a lot about uh, the wage gap and how that proves there's still misogyny in this country. So do you think there's any credibility to the idea that misogyny damaged? I'm surprised there isn't misogyny with Hillary Clinton being around, but 
<laughs> Look, the, the the wage gap thing, of course, that's been, you know, that's something that's a historical artifact largely. Uh, what we find is that in, a, uh, in 147 of the 150 largest cities in America, uh, females under 30 make more than males under 30. Uh, women are now, females are now uh, 60% of college students. So basically down the road, what you're going to find is women eventually will possibly make more than men. If they don't, it's going to be because women tend to choose to leave the workforce to have children in a way that men don't uh, until the biology changes. I don't know that that's going to necessarily right. and, and whenever they come up with these wacky percentages that the woman only makes 70 cents or 68 cents of what for what every man makes they're they're looking at all women right so they're and not so that includes women who have uh uh you know taken six months off to nurse their newborn or who are um you know who are taking care of a sick spouse uh and so on things that that men in practice are less, you know, obviously they're not going to be nursing their newborns. Right. And, and but they're going to be, they're, 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 you know, the women are more likely to do, to perform these sort of care taking functions in our society. And so they don't, uh, on average, work as much. And, and let me make it clear. I'm not necessarily justifying that. I'm not justifying that there probably uh, is still an element of the old boy network that keeps women out. I get the glass ceiling thing. I'm simply stating the facts. When you use statistics, you have to analyze them coldly and say, you know, why why are these numbers there instead of those numbers? But let's go back to the, the misogyny thing as it was in the campaign. Hillary was running as the, the, the first woman president. That was a big part of her campaign. If you She was running all these ads attacking Donald Trump for misogyny. Misogyny. Why? Because she was reminding all the women, you need to vote for me. It's identity policy. And it's totally understandable, by the way. I get why you know, African-Americans were uh, more likely to vote for Barack Obama than they would necessarily have been to vote for someone who wasn't, uh, wasn't black, who was otherwise the same as Barack Obama. Why pe- Catholics voted for John Kennedy and so on. Southerners voted for Jimmy Carter. I get it. Uh, and I'm not criticizing that. But the point is, you can't then turn around and say, well, we made a big point of this and then oh it was that thing that did us in uh it's part of every candidate has pluses and minuses things that are fair things that are unfair and uh and it may be that uh, i don't know I, I, I let's rerun history and try to find someone exactly like hillary but who is a male other you know so that's the only thing that's different and then see how the election would turn out that'd be the only way we well, could they did that do question. a simulation they did that debate where they flipped roles um uh, different personality styles. So whether they, Donald Trump was more like acted more like Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton acted more like Donald Trump in this test debate, and um, uh, you know, it, it didn't. Hillary still. <laughs> It still didn't well, it did come out worse. winner. Yeah, right. uh, Hillary, Hillary did worse. Uh, Donald Trump did much better when they when they basically switched the genders uh, in this mock debate. So the the problem is Hillary. And and let me let me add one thing there because uh, she didn't bring this up the other day. I don't believe, uh, at least not directly. Uh, but uh, according to the book Shattered, the other thing that she blamed her loss on was the rise of white nationalism. And again, that's delusional. Uh, so you're saying that the 200 counties that switched and voted for uh, Trump, having voted for Barack Obama, that that was because they were racists, uh, but they voted for Barack Obama and not Hillary. Uh, and then also, if you look at the turnout figures, you see uh, that Trump actually you know, improved over Romney uh, in the African-American community. That actually was a big part of providing his margin. Uh, and uh, and that the, the turnout was low for Hillary compared to Obama. 
uh, among African Americans. Uh, there's just there's just no data to suggest that this the white nationalism thing that that's it's it's kind of disgusting because that's where they get the deplorables thing. They try to find somebody out there who said something bad, uh, disgusting uh, among the million tens of millions of people who supported Donald Trump. They find somebody uh, and then they hold that person up and say, well, that's what all Trump supporters are like. And this whole white nationalism thing, uh, there's no evidence of any increase uh, in those sorts of feelings. If anything, we've gone in the opposite direction, the good direction away from from that sort of thing. I'm sure it's true there are some misogynists out there, somewhere out there that didn't vote for Hillary because she's a woman. But the idea that her being on woman, a woman on net uh, hurt her, her campaign was ridiculous. I mean, there were so many liberals that I personally know, as well as celebrities out there saying they were explicitly voting for Hillary on the sole voting basis of that she was a woman and that they thought it was time for a woman president. Just like with Obama in 08, a lot of people voted uh, for, a lot of people, a lot of Americans voted for Obama uh, precisely because he was black. Uh, and they wanted to, it's as if they wanted to prove to themselves that they weren't racist, that they could overcome um, uh, the sins uh, of the past. And I can, th I can say, and this is about as close to, as a, as close to a fact as anything this speculative about rewriting history, had Hillary not been a woman, she would not have been able to shove all the other Democrats out of the way. And she was such a bad candidate, uh, as we've seen repeatedly. Uh, in 1994, when she was running the healthcare campaign, as effectively was campaigning around the country, uh, in, in 2008, when she ran against Barack Obama, she's such a bad candidate. I can't imagine that a male Hillary would have been able to get everybody else out of the race. And so, you know, Hillary Clinton uh, would not have been nominated. So looking back on this, let's put ourselves in the heads of the Democrats. It seems like Hillary has... That the... sounds like a frightening experience, <laughs> but okay. It seems like Hillary has the wrong ideas about why she lost, clearly, as we've run down. Do you think the Democrats are going to learn anything from this, or do you think they're all like her and they're just not going to get it. Do you think that they run a stronger campaign in 2020 or in the midterms? No, <laughs> I don't think they've learned. I, I think they've learned uh, next to nothing. I think that they feel that they were, they feel that day, that day was robbed and that they were cheated out of um, what, what, what should have been uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, presidential victory, just as they say that the, that the, the Supreme Court seat of Merrick Garland was stolen from them, and that really Neil Gorsuch shouldn't be there, and that Obama's nominee, who the evil Republicans stalled uh, for a year or so uh, in the Senate, should have been uh, the rightful uh, holder or sitter <laughs> of that seat. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, there's a sense of entitlement out there, and they just think that they are destined uh, to rule forever, and anybody, woe to anyone who's, who, who contradicts them. What's the, there was a study, and I don't have it in front of me, but it was something like 80% of the people in the media uh, live in counties that Hillary won. And I live here in Washington, D.C., where Donald Trump and Gary Johnson together got 5.4% of the vote. And I live in a precinct. I'm surprised where, it was that high. Yeah, and so when you're, when you're in the media, or when you're in the center of power here in Washington, um, you you have to think that everything was stolen because, gosh, 
you know, nobody you go to breakfast with, nobody that, you know, none of your friends and neighbors, they, none of them. If they did vote for Trump, they keep it quiet. There's somebody in my apartment building who I know voted for Trump, who I ran into coming late uh, uh, on election night back from uh, the event that I had gone to uh, and, uh, and, and sort of knowingly. Uh, said to me, uh, so where are you coming from and who were you for? And, and we got into a conversation and we had to sort of whisper because heaven forbid anybody find out. That's the world that the media live in. If there's anybody that has any, uh, you know, anti-Hillary sentiment, pro-Trump sentiment, whatever, uh, liberal Democrat, uh, Republican, uh, conservative, if you're on the side that's against the establishment, uh, you keep your mouth shut. And, and so they're surrounded by people who agree with them. And their only explanation is that they were robbed. But consider this. The Republicans in the three of the last four elections had their best elections that they've had since the Republican Party was founded. And, you know, that's, that's something that's totally aside from Donald Trump. And if Trump only won because he cheated, if Trump only won because of that massive massive intervention by the by the Russians in the campaign uh, and that's how you st- you sell yourself that that's the story you sell yourself that you you tell your kids and that you uh, you, you you put that to heart and you think uh, well we're just going to move forward the way that we've been doing things um, things are not going to work well work out well for the Democrats I think all right that's our show for this week we'll be back next week and we hope you'll join us if you're not already please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and Stitcher And follow us on social media at Capital Research Center on Facebook and YouTube and at Capital Research on Twitter. I'm Dr. Stephen J. Allen. And I'm Matthew Vadum. And I'm Jake Prime. Thanks for listening.